Hello, this is Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg. And we're Two Voice Devs. Um, so Alan, what have you been working on this last week? It's been a, it's been a, a busy week for me, aside from a power outage that I had midweek. Oh. Um, I was, uh, I've been helping a lot of people kind of understand how to use Action Builder and how to use uh, multivocal with it, which is uh, an open source project that I've been working on. Um, and I know you've been working on, you know, some some really big open source projects as well. Why don't you uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Speech Markdown? Sure. So yeah, Speech Markdown is one of the many open source projects that I've been working on. Um, but that's a, a project that uh, I started. Oh man, I, just a little bit of history. I guess uh, 2016 is when I started doing voice stuff. 2017 um, started looking at uh, SSML, which is Speech Synthesis Mark markup language and it's how you format the text-to-speech content. So if you want to put emphasis on a certain word, if you want to say things in a certain way, um, slow the rate down, uh, pronounce things correctly, uh, put audio. So there's that, that's all incorporated in SSML. And actually, SSML is pretty old. Um, if I remember no, correctly. Actually, yeah, when I, when I started looking into SSML, is one of the things that really surprised me is that it, it uh, dates from relatively early days of the web, and none of the big people that are using it, these I mean, neither Amazon nor Google, were authors of the original specification. Yeah, not at all, yeah. Yeah, so uh, 2004 version one of the SSML spec came out, and then 2010 it was revised with a, like a 1.1 version of it. But but that is the, um, I guess, the, the mechanism that the uh, two main platforms and even Bixby now uh, as well have chosen to do their formatting of, uh, of output. And what I noticed in 2017 is that one, uh, no single um, platform supported the entire SSML spec. And in fact, they um, supported different things than each other. And sometimes they added their own custom tags to SSML. So that's uh, so that's something that I you know, summarized in a website that you can you know, still see today. It's SSML.guru, and it compares the different voice platforms and what uh, what tags. And, and if you've programmed in HTML, then it's it's a very similar concept. It's XML based, so you got you have your beginning tag and tag, um, and then you have your different you know, tags and attributes based on what uh, how you want to format your your speech output and um, so. But that's that's where I started from on this project and noticing that things were different, and so it just got got me thinking in a number of ways. One, there's this cross-platform problem that if I'm writing SSML cross-platform on something like Jovo, then um, depending on which um, request is coming in, then the SSML flavor on the output could be different or would need to be different depending on what tags were supported and what tags weren't. So that was one um, kind of impetus for speech markdown. The other being that uh, a lot of people don't want to code in HTML um, or in <laughs> SSML and in the in the voice world. And so I was making some connections and some parallels. You know, so what would people do today if you're if you're writing a blog or um, doing you know, anything uh, content-wise on the web? what would be the tools that you would use? Mostly you would use some sort of a WYSIWYG editor, but behind the scenes, it's probably converting that into HTML. 
So I was wondering what we could do on the speech side of things. Um, and so uh, one of the ways that you can write HTML is through Markdown. It's just a simplified um, syntax, you know, a word between asterisks is bold. Um, you have tags for inserting uh, hyperlinks, you know, just different things. And so I was wondering what, how would that would look if we did the same thing for voice text to speech? So that's, where I came up with the idea of speech markdown. So it's basically a simplified um, format for doing text-to-speech targeted at what I'm calling content authors. So that's a broader audience than just your typical developer and designer. Uh, you know, I, I use it too as a developer and, it, and, it, uh, and it's great. There, I, I like the fact that I can code things cross-platform, do things in speech markdown, and it worries about the, the specific flavor of SSML that I need um, for whatever platform is. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think also, you know, certainly from, from my experience, both with it and with regular Markdown, is that you can express concise things, um, well, express things very concisely. So, so instead of having to do, um, you know, a lot of verbose tags, you've got those verbose tags in some, just a few characters surrounding the, the specific words or phrases or whatever that you, you want to make sure get emphasized. Yeah, so for example, if you wanted to uh, mark, make something uh, as an emphasis, there are some, you know, some tags that you could put like uh, plus signs on either side of something and it will do a, an emphasis or two plus signs would make it even more emphasis. So there's some shortcut ways, but the, the typical way that you would apply um, these speech markdown tags would be parentheses around the word or phrase that you want to modify and then square brackets after that with uh, one or more attributes. Also part of the problem, um, when I first started, I didn't know my uh, prosody for my phoneme because um, I'm not a linguist. <laughs> <laughs> and so th that confused me mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, I think it would confuse a lot of people. And so you know, we're used to saying things like uh, the rate of speech is this fast or the pitch is high or, and so um, that, that's what the, the, the prosody tag is all about and it has attributes for rate and things. And so I've, I thought, let's just get rid of prosody. We don't need to know that. Right. So, you know, so you, it's, you just it's say the rate is this and the, you know, the pitch is this and the, and you know, just get rid of some of those words that are gonna confuse people from the get go. No, that makes a lot of sense, and and that resonates a lot uh, with uh, with the it, uh, some of that actually got inspired parts of multivocal as well. So that that resonates a great deal. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about multivocal. Oh, so so multivocal does not have nearly the same level of adoption that uh, speech markdown has. Um, so it's uh, it's an open source library that I wrote, I guess, shortly after I started using. Um, Certainly, after I started developing actions, I really realized I, I wasn't—I just wasn't happy with the native library that Google provided for it. And it rapidly got even more confusing when Google ended up providing two libraries: one specifically for actions and one for dialogue flow. And I, you know, I wasn't sure why they were doing it this way. Um, and a lot of what I was finding was that the libraries that I had seen were very uh, procedure-driven. So if I have an intent and it calls my webhook, and, and I should emphasize that this is a library specifically for webhooks. Um, 
if my webhook was called, it was expected to trigger a function or a, a handler function. Mm -hmm. And the end of that handler function was expected to add output. So it was expected to say something or say something and close the channel. And usually that's what the, the method that we were calling was. It was, you know, um, say and some string. And that felt backwards to me because more and more I realized as we, you know, as we've been developing modern web apps, we're more configuration driven. We're more template driven. Um, and if I and we're more internationalization driven. And if I wanted to do templating or internationalization with, with with this kind of procedure, I now have to call other libraries, and that just started seeming like a lot to me. So multivocal started as a way to say, by default, you're going to send some output. So by default, define that output and define that output as a template, mm -hmm. just like. You know, if we were writing a React app, we're writing a template and we're kind of filling stuff into it. We're writing Angular, we're writing a template and we're, we're putting our values into that template. That's a more modern way that we have of doing web and mobile programming these days. So there are still functions, but those functions are very strictly delegated to generating values, generating what, what we would sometimes call business logic. Um, and that's kind of at the heart of what multivocal is, is it's a, a templating infrastructure that as much as possible tries to do things by default for you. Yeah, no, I, I, I very much um, got the feeling that it was, you know, template first uh, separation of concerns when it comes to um, uh, your interaction. So your, your output coming back. Um, you know, Jovo is very much that that you uh, you say something, your webhook gets called, the intent handler gets called, you do some stuff, and then the uh, the last part is you specify what the output's going to right. be. Right, and um, and that's what and that's what everyone's library tends to do. And yeah. while I understand that, I think it's backwards from what we need to be getting towards. Because I know it's very interesting. Because as and as I started working on multivocal, I realized more and more that I wanted to push as much as I could into a configuration. Because when I put it in a configuration, I can now more dynamically change things. So for you know, so if I need to change a phrase on something that's been deployed, I don't have to recompile as long as I just change my configuration file. And this started getting into my you know what we've been talking about for a long time now with with audio content management systems yes which we'll talk about another day yeah that, that's that, that that's, is a that's whole two or at three least or another topic yeah. <laughs> um but then i started realizing more and more things that i wanted in the configuration made sense there mm -hmm. so you know we were talking about uh prosody and that's like you i can never remember what the right tags are when the right things were any of that but it made sense to me that sometimes I might want to reply one way and sometimes I might want to reply in a different voice. And rather than code that into the template to respond, that's a setting that you set for a particular response. So I yeah. can define a bunch of voices and say, use voice A for this reply and use voice B for this other reply. Yeah, that falls uh, very much in, um, you, know, you know, Heidi uh, Culbertson, she does a lot of yes. research with with responses coming back based on um, the age or the hearing level of the person that's that's uh, getting the response, and so interacting with voice assistants 
So that's interesting to have more of a global setting or configuration that can learn over time and affect the overall rate of, uh, you know, rate and pitch because, you know, as you get older, the less you hear less high pitch stuff. So um, affecting that, it does make sense, I think, to be able to do that more in a global setting as opposed to this particular clump of SSML is going to have the rate of, right. yeah. Right. And, and you can do it on pretty much any level you want. So, yep. you know, one of the, the actions that I built as a, as a test one will talk to you in one of six different voices. Each voice has a different name and you can ask for a different, different name and it'll switch to that name and start talking to you in that voice instead. And all of that's, you know, 90% of that is handled by the library yeah. where it makes sense because you don't need to deal with all of these different voices. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Do you, um, do you have plans on having multi-vocal be multi-platform? Well, it is multi-platform, sort of. Okay, sort um, of. Sort of. So one of the, the things we just, uh, just released uh, within the past month was uh, support for Action Builder, which is a completely different JSON protocol than the Dialogflow protocol, right. uh, webhook protocol. Um, that rewrite took me about uh, two hours. Oh, okay. So one, one of the things that I ended up doing was eventually saying, well, you know, if everything's just a template, then all my responses are just templates with templates. So mm -hmm. the response protocol just is a bunch of templates. And the input is a bunch of configurations of where to get parameters from. So, you know, there's a bunch of configuration files that say when you're getting the user's parameters, look in these possible locations. So, and, you know, the dialogue flows will be in this location and actions on Google will be in this other location. And, and we standardize it into a, a single standardized structure for all platforms. So as part of that project, I made actions, I, I added actions on Google's Actions Builder. And then I also added uh, Google's chatbot system. So, which oh. interacts with Dialogflow. So officially it's Dialogflow, but it's got a very different set of output parameters. Um, okay. So yes, in theory, and my goal for, my goal is to have it so that um, it can work with an Alexa, as an Alexa webhook and as an actions builder webhook at the same time. Okay. Um, and technically uh, there's not a huge, there, there's very little technical problem in doing that. It's more familiarity and time and so forth. That's something that occurred to me, which is, is, is interesting, um, is working with Jovo, they're very uh, pluggable. You know, it started out that they supported, you know, Alexa and Google, but then they've they, you know, and, and they're moving to Jovo version two and, and enhancing now with version three, they've made it so that you plug in the Google um, handler, the, like the Google engine and you the Alexa engine and, and, you know, Twilio, and they've got a whole bunch of, you know, group of, of different ways that you can get the input and the response and all the, you know, the handler stuff and everything uh, follows along um, very nicely with those. Um, so that you can you know share a lot of the, the same code. They also have a really uh, good uh, middlewares where you can plug in at different steps during their mm -hmm. pipeline to do different things, as well as plugins um, and this growing library of, of people writing plugins. What's what would be interesting? Um, this would be the first time I think that it would be done. But it would be to see about a, uh, 
plugging in, I guess writing a plugin that is the multi-vocal um, system. So the templating, the opinionated configuration, um, that type of thing into that. So you take advantage of the backbone that they already have for the multi-platform stuff, but then you would plug in this new templating approach. I, I, I guess I my think, gut feel, says that it feels like it could be done and it would, it could be pretty awesome. Um, it may not be the direction you want to go, but it, it's one of those interesting questions. And it's, it's probably more if I had been more exposed to Jovo before I started the library or started what eventually became multivocal, I might have yeah. gone that sort of a route. Um, and I might still someday go that route, but I, it, it would require, I think, a very deep understanding of Jovo for me to, to move it over. And um, in the meantime, I think there's a lot that we can learn from each other. Yeah. You know, so right now, I'm, right now I'm okay with having them as two separate projects where we start seeing you know, people who are doing more with Jovo saying, why aren't we having more of a uh, internationalized template system as part of this? And people asking me more, well, where are, how do I plug in? Where do I get, you know, where do I plug in the modules? Why don't you have a bigger module library? Right. Um, and, you know, so I think right now we're at a stage where there are good lessons. I think right now we're still yeah. early enough that exploring these two options as separate options is the right way to go because otherwise we're going to get bogged down in trying to build the perfect right. thing. And both, right now both camps are still experimenting. Yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah, I think we're still learning how to do this cross-platform thing. So, um, I do want to ask you about uh, speech markdown in multivocal. So don't let me forget about that. Um, but uh, one of the things that I, uh, I guess that I've been wondering about is um, shoot. Now I just lost what I was thinking. <laughs> I got you know what let's talk about the multi vocal thing. Maybe I'll think about it again. So so speech markdown in multivocal. Since I first saw you talking about speech markdown, I have wanted to I, I have had this this pretty clear vision about how I wanted to put it into multivocal. Mm -hmm. The biggest barrier I've had is finding the right label for it. Because in in uh, in multivocal when by, by default, you can just specify a, a list of responses. And it automatically turns those into text responses. And in the future, I'll say, okay, turn those into markdown responses unless you set it to turn it into something else. Mm -hmm. Or you can also specify text and SSML separately, or te text and SSML as a, a single response. And this lets you do things like in some cases show text, in some cases show, in some cases say something slightly different. I want to be able to make a third tag for speech markdown so you can do the same sort of thing. Yeah, so what's interesting is um, the, the concept of, um, of going from speech markdown to SSML, there is this intermediate step, this uh, Right now, it's an abstract syntax tree that so all of the things that all the speech markdown gets converted into this abstract syntax tree are you know, easier just thinking about some intermediate format. And then a formatter is applied to say format that as 
Alexa flavored SSML mm -hmm. or Google flavored SSML, or I have one for text. So what it does is it strips all of the tags out and then you just have the text. So that would be a situation where if you wanted to show something or show the same thing of what you said, then you could use that. And I, I still need to do a, some additions to it. There's, um, right, you know, we're at version one, but there's still some additional things to add. Go ahead, what's your question? So the, the catch though is that sometimes you want to say something different than what you show. Yes, and that's where a sub tag would come in. There are, well, so here's the, and I just had this conversation with the linguist as well. There are even some cases where a sub tag isn't the right thing to use. So for example, if you are reading out a list, you may read out a list of five items, mm -hmm. or sorry, read out a list of three items, but show a list of five items. Yes. Or there may be other dramatic change, you know, relatively dramatic changes between the two, where it's sometimes just easier to say, this is what you're going to show, and this is what you're going to say. That's true. I, I would agree that that's, that's, that's right. So, so that's why, that's why multivocal supports both text and SSML labeling of stuff. So I want to introduce a new label for markdown, for, for speech markdown, which I am tentatively thinking of calling Mark. <laughs> Simply because it's four letters. <laughs> and so it, it lines up nicely with speech, with, with text and SSML. Okay, that's what sounds good to me. <laughs> so, um, so, but definitely my, my goal is to incorporate speech markdown uh, as one of, the, um, one of the default methods that's built into it. Because I, I think it's, a, it's an invaluable way to express things. Yeah, so um, the thing that I wanted to talk about was APLA. Um, <laughs> yes. So Alexa presentation language for audio. The reason why I'm talking about that in conjunction with speech markdown and SSML is that one of the custom tags that Google added to SSML was to play multiple audio um, files in parallel, something that you couldn't do or you know still can't with SSML in, um, on Alexa. So it's, it's not something that's in the SSML spec. It's something, a special tag that Google added just for their SSML. And uh, it had gone unanswered for a long, long time. One of those things that Alexa developers wanted, like, hey, look, Google has it. Uh, we don't, and we didn't hear anything. And then at Alexa Live a few weeks ago, uh, it was announced um, that this APLA um, was going to have this new directive um, which is different than an SSML response um, in the Alexa world, but uh, that will do the same type of thing. So what typically happens when the response comes back and it's SSML is that it comes back to the, the middle layer, whether it be the Alexa service or the Google service, and that gets translated into audio, and then the audio file is sent to the device and played. What typically happens with a directive is that it's just, it's an out of band, it's outside of the, you know, it's still part of the response, but it's outside of the output, the, the typical output. It's meant to be handled more locally. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like going all the way down to the device and the device itself handles that directive and, and does it. But what I learned this last week is that actually in the case of this, this you know, parallel audio mixer um, tag and APLA, is that actually it's the middle 
layer of, of the Alexa service that still converts that into oh, audio, and it's still the audio coming back. So um, doesn't seem like they had to do much on the uh, changing of the the code that's running on the devices to support API because it's still in the interesting, end. Interesting, very interesting. So they could have just as easily, I guess, did a custom SSML tag to do it because it's it's equivalently the same. Um, I, I have guesses about why they didn't, but uh, you know, I don't know Alexa's, uh, I don't know Amazon's structure well enough to know uh, their internal politics. Let's put it yeah. <laughs> so what that makes it more, you know interesting too for things like uh, speech markdown. So now is speech markdown going to stay the SSML way of doing things, or is it going to need to handle something a little bit different? I, right now, I think I'm going to stick with just SSML. Um, it's valuable enough the way that it is. Um, but uh, so, so an interesting thought that occurs to me is that it might still be reasonable to um, to leave it as SSML, but possibly output a second object, and that yeah. second object might be would be what you'd pass to APLA in on Alexa's side, and what you know you don't need to do that on Google's side. So. You have you once again. You maintain this compatibility layer, and you're just outputting two different things. Yeah, that's true. Um, quick story of uh, of practical use of uh, of speech markdown. So here's a project I had that I I had already started working on it for um, Alexa and Google, and it had I, I hadn't converted it yet to to speech markdown. It was using SSML tags, and there were probably about you know 10, uh, 15 different uh, SSML tags that I was using, and they were sprinkled throughout my you know, text-to-speech responses coming back, and I started working on adding Bixby to it. And so immediately it broke because there was, are very few tags that Bixby supports at this point in time, and you know they'll they'll get there. I'm not too worried about it. But what I ended up doing is just going ahead and, and switching it over to to do speech markdown. Wrote a um, a formatter for Bixby that you know pretty much just returned text for everything except for the few tags that they supported, and you know after you know a few hours of just getting that implemented, um, then I was able to flip the switch and you know, now everything was using Speech Markdown and yep. and just move move on and so that, that was a case where I'm like yes this is exactly what I was wanting it to do. No, I know that feeling. You know, when I was uh, when I was porting uh, multivocal over to support the Actions Builder, you know, it really was just you know, here's the list of uh, features and here's the the formats that they need. And the first time I tested, I'm like, wow, this this worked. <laughs> <laughs> this this is pretty cool. So um, I'm very grateful for the different people that have helped with uh, with Speech Markdown. There's um, a whole website now. You can go to speechmarkdown.org, and uh, the, there's it talks about what the the formatting, the syntax language is. There's various open source projects. Uh, there's a plugin now for Visual Studio Code where, um, if you include Speech Markdown in uh, in strings uh, or um, other files, that it it does some syntax highlighting. Um, there's still features to implement in Speech Markdown. I just hit something today where um, I have to change the URL format of what, what can additionally be supported in an audio tag uh, to get that to work. Um, so just lots to do. I, that, so that's, 
that's one of the great things and also one of the great challenges with open source projects is, you know, on one hand, um, it's great when people are there and helping you allow, you know, helping you out mm -hmm. and contributing stuff, including contributing bug reports. That's useful as well. Yep. Um, but it's also, you know, you're, you're now managing this project. Yes. This is, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I did my, my slides, when I first talked about this uh, at Voice Summit uh, a year and a half ago, um, that I had this picture, you know, I, like I felt like I was working on these ideas. I was like pushing the, the boulder up the hill. And then, then I got done and I was like, yes. And then I felt like Atlas with like the whole world on my shoulders now, because now you've got this project that you're managing and, and, you know, you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just one person and can I, can I do this? And so love the person, the people that have, uh, have supported and helped that. There's still more to do. I'd love to, you know, I invite you. I'm sure Alan would invite anybody on his project to come join along and, and help push uh, the boundaries of voice dev and, and keep improving things. Yep. Um, we will, we will have links to our projects in the comment yes. section. Yeah, that sounds good. I, this, as always, Alan, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Always fun. Yeah, great success on your project. Uh, I was able to look at it, and and I'm excited for for its progress. And uh, and like I said, you know, um, you know, we just had a, a new update just come out, and next one, next one, I will really, really try to get Speech Markdown incorporated. I, I I really feel good about it this round. All right, sounds good. Let me know if I can help you out. I I you know I'm willing to help you out here. I certainly will. All right. Well, well take care, yeah. everybody. Thanks for listening to Two Voice Devs. Thanks for listening to Voice Devs.